I cannot think of a, a better place for us to be as we kick off a new year than just simply taking time to acknowledge God and to, to, to bow before Him. And so I hope today will be a special day for you as we kick off this new year. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look in verse number 12. And the, really the focus for today is going to be, as you know, as you kick off a new year, one thing that you naturally tend to do is, is you look ahead. And that's what I want us to do as a, just as a body of believers, as a church, that we'll be a people who will look ahead to see maybe what God has in store for us. Now, in saying that, I think that's something that is tremendously important, and for us being able to do that, it involves teamwork. It involves us working together. And one thing that most of us know is that whenever you work together as a team, you are able to accomplish more than if you just simply try to work by yourself. Uh, an example of this for me is whenever I was in, uh, whenever I was in college, we're getting ready to go into college, I had a, uh, a guy that I knew back where I grew up who was coming to play basketball at the University of South Carolina. Uh, his name was Brent Price. If, if you're an old person like me, you might remember when he played here. His brother's Mark Price. And so Brent came, and he had never been here before. And so I was hanging out with Brent. And one thing that we did during the summer is we'd go up to the Y in downtown Columbia, and we would play pickup basketball. Now, he would always bring his roommate with him who was 7 feet 2 inches tall, uh, which was really cool. And so I would go down there, and I'd play basketball with them, so they would pick teams, and, and then they'd say, yeah, we'll play you guys. They've got this you know, freakishly tall guy on their team, but they can't be that good. And so we'd go out and play, and I would run out there, and y'all, just to let you know, I played, I played basketball. I like to say I did. I was on the team, but I was not good. But with those guys, I was like, I mean, Derek Fisher. I was, un, I was, the, I was the guy who was just doling out assists left and right. And so I'd just look for the seven-foot-tall guy, you know, and be kind of be cocky in there and just chunk it up there, and he would, like, jump three inches off the ground and cram it home. We won every time that we played, and I thought I was something special. But here's the deal. We were not winning because of me. It's shocking. We were not winning because of me. We were winning because of who was on the team. Now, teamwork is really important. Because teamwork allows you to do so much more than you could ever do than if you just tried to do some things by yourself. Now, we all know this. I mean, we know this in our, just in our daily living. Uh, over Christmas, Emily wanted to move our dining room table and set it up in a different room so that more people and our family, when they all came over, could gather around it to eat. Now, the table that we have, it probably weighs like 2,000 pounds. And it's like made out of solid oak. And so, I mean, I could have moved it by myself, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to show off. And so Emily and I, we worked together. So she grabbed one end, I grabbed the other, and we were very quickly and easily able to move that table. Now, that's what happens whenever you work together. You're able to do more. And the same thing is also true with believers. The same idea is also true with the church. And as we kick off this brand new year, I thought it would be good for us to just simply take time to focus in on the idea of Christians working together, of Christians coming together and working with a common purpose and a common goal. Now, what's, what's our common purpose? Now, what is our common goal? 
Well, it's, it's not for us to come here every week and to hear Pulitzer Prize winning messages. And some of you have already discovered that doesn't happen. Uh, our goal here is not to have the greatest facilities uh, around. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but those things are never to be our focus. So what is the focus? What is the purpose of our church? Well, our purpose is for us to come together, to work together, to share the greatest news that there is. And that is the news of a Jesus, of a God, who entered into our world in order to transform and change lives. Now, we can get real used to hearing that to where it doesn't mean anything to us. But guys, if it's true, it is the greatest news that's ever been given to man. And so my hope today is that we are going to look today to see some goals that we can have as a church to make 2015 be a different year than we've ever had before. Now today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church about looking ahead. And his desire for them was to work together, to be a team, so that they could accomplish the great goal of sharing a message that could transform people's lives. And that is my hope, is what we're going to do as well as a church. And so if you have your Bible, look with me in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look in verse number 12 in just a few moments. Uh, Just to let you know, uh, the Philippians, they were from the city of Philippi, which was in what is now in modern-day Greece. And, And one thing that I like about about modern, about, about Greece, especially during this time, is they were a people who loved sports. And, and I really think that's one reason why we can identify so much with what was written in the New Testament, because Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He spent most of his ministry here. And so as you read through Paul's letters, Paul oftentimes uses sporting analogies. And he does so today in the text that we're going to be looking at. And in using sporting analogies, he talks about teamwork. And so with that in mind, we're going to springboard off this passage of Scripture to get us thinking about some goals that our church, that that believers can have together as we enter into 2015. And so just briefly today, when I say briefly, I mean it's 1036 now. Within the next 20 minutes, I'm just going to share with you a few goals that we're going to have as a church as we look into our Scripture. Now, now what are we looking forward to? What are we trying to achieve? What is our goal if we come together to work together? What what are we trying to achieve in 2015? All right, here's what, when when we met as a staff, here's some things we thought that were important that come from Scripture. Our first goal that we are desiring to fulfill this year in our church is for us to have a commitment to devotion. To be a people who are devoted Now now look in verse number 12, and this is Paul writing, and here's what Paul said. He said, not that I've already reached the goal. He said, I've already fully matured, or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. He says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Oftentimes, I've I've wondered, what is it that separates really successful people, people who achieve a lot, from other people who don't achieve as much? 
And I, I mean, just sometimes I, I wonder those things. I mean, I see some people, and I, I know them, and, I, that, man, they're sharp. And I, I look at them, I think, man, that, those, that guy is going to be super successful. And as time goes on, it's not, they just don't really do a whole lot. And then I see other people, and I think, man, that, that's a nice guy. You know, Greg Butler's a nice guy, but he's not going to amount to a whole, mo- a whole lot. And then, and then what do they end up doing? They end up knocking it out of the park. And so you sit there and you kind of wonder, well, what is it that makes somebody successful and somebody else, you know, not quite as successful? What is it that causes somebody to really kind of go over the top with the things in their life and somebody else who just sort of doesn't do a whole lot? Have you ever wondered that before? Okay, maybe not. I have. And so I look at that, what, what's the difference? And I think it comes out something really rather simple. There's a lot of different variables. But I think one thing that we see is that it comes down to devotion. There are some people who say, you know what, this is the goal that I have. And come, you know, basically come hell or high water, I am going to fight for achieving that goal. I will give everything that I have to see that it happens. And guys, I really believe this. I believe this about us about me, about all of us, if we are going to see God work and do great things through us, but not because of us, but because of His power, we have to have a mindset where we say, we will do whatever it takes to be devoted to the things of God. And when I look at verses 12 and 13, I see an incredible statement of devotion that comes from Paul. Now, just as a reminder of who Paul is. Paul was a guy who was the most prolific church starter of anybody that's ever lived. He went all throughout the ancient world starting churches for a simple reason. He wanted people to know who Jesus was. And so he went all over the world. Uh, He was a prolific writer. When you open up the New Testament and you look at the New Testament, most of the New Testament was written by this man. Now, at this point, it would have been very easy for Paul, 30 years into his walk with God, to say, you know what? I have done a lot, right? It's been very easy for him to say, I have achieved, I've been successful. It's time for me to kick back and let somebody else run with it. But here's a statement of devotion that I see with Paul. Whenever you look into our verse, what does Paul say? Paul says this very simply. He says, I am forgetting what is behind, and I am reaching forward to what is ahead. He said, I'm not going to coast. I'm not, I'm not going to give up and say, I've done my part. He said, I am here, and because I'm here, I am still going to reach forward to the future. Now, when he says, I'm reaching forward to what is ahead, that, that is a sporting term. And it's a picture of a runner on a track. And as he's going around the track, as he's coming towards the finish line, he begins to stretch for the finish line. Now, why would he do that? You know, whenever, whenever a runner is running, what is the purpose of them in the race? What are they trying to do? Anybody? Anybody? trying to win, right? Okay, now in my case, I'm trying to finish. Okay, but most people, when they're running, they are trying to win. That is why it says in our text that he was stretching towards the finish line. It's like when you watch the Olympics, you see a guy as he's coming to the tape. He is stretching for the tape because he wants to beat the competition. 
He wants to be number one. But if you're going to do it, you know what it takes? It takes commitment. It takes devotion. Now, guys, let me tell you something. None of us in this room today, we are not at the finish line yet. Thank goodness. Wasn't the awful we're all here? My life's already over. I mean, none, nobody in here is at the finish line yet. That means we need to keep running. That means we are to be stretching towards our goal, stretching towards the finish line. And our goal is that we have been given the grace and the eternity and the freedom of God. And there are people who need to hear that there is hope in this life. Now the, now the shame comes when we decide that we're going to start coasting. And whenever we start coasting, whenever we give up too soon, we miss out on so much. Let me try to give you an example. Apple Computer Company was started by three men. The three men... You might be able to, can you name the first one? Steve Jobs, okay. There's another guy named Steve Wozniak. And the third guy, Ronald Wayne. Okay, now I hear that name Ronald Wayne, and I think, no wonder we haven't heard of him. Okay, so Ronald Wayne, three guys. Nineteen, you haven't heard of Ronald Wayne, Wayne for, for a, very, a very easy reason. 1976, he sold his share in Apple. Good business move. 10%, he had 10% of the company. He sold his, his share in the company for $500. Now, they, he also got another, now this, it gets better though. He got another $1,500 though for giving up all future rights to the company. You know what Apple's worth today? It is worth over $600 billion. Ronald Wayne gave up $60 billion in a company for $2,000. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I mean, if I'm Ronald Wayne, I'm just, just take me to the top of the Empire State Building, and I'm just going to you know, do a swan dive. Okay, for 2000 bucks, he gave up $60 billion. Now, he didn't know what was going to happen. Now, that's terrible, though. We're going to have him come speak about success in business. But anyway, you know, there's a lot of us, though. As bad as that sounds, there's a lot of us who've done a whole lot worse. Wow. Y'all, there are so many people who've given up their eternity for the pleasures of today. Who've given up the hope and the forgiveness of God because they want to hang on to control in their own lives. And the same thing can be said of the church. If we start to coast and we decide that we're going to quit stretching, now, there's no telling how many lives we are going to miss touching for Jesus because we decided that we'd done enough. And that's why I believe this year, and it's so important for us as a church, y'all, it is time for us to stretch. It's time for us not to, not to live on what we've already done, but to be looking to the future, to what is God going to do? Because we're not at the finish line yet. You know, we're all still living. We're all still breathing. That's why I believe that some of the ways that we're going to be stressed, as we were meeting together as a staff, we said, we, said we, want, we want this to be a year of 100. A year of 100 what? You know, one of the first things we thought, is, as a church, we said, let's be praying and working towards seeing 100 people this year come into a relationship with Jesus through our church. 100 people. 
Now, the most we've seen, the most people we've baptized in one year has been 62 people. That's 38 people more. That's a stretch for us. We have to see 100 people know who Jesus is. Uh, this spring, we did a capital campaign that this, the previous spring, and one of the things we said we're going to do is we're going to go next door, and we're going to renovate our student and our children's building over there so that we can reach young people. This spring, we're going to do it. We're going to begin the process of having contractors come over there, and they're going to begin to renovate. Y'all, it, it, looks, it looks really cool, some of the stuff they're doing. I mean, if you've been over there, there's some, you know, there's some neat stuff that's over there. They have the curtains up. They have the Christmas lights on the ceiling, and, you know, they have... You, know, you think music's loud in here sometimes, y'all. You, don't, you can't even imagine. And so, so the young people over there, it looks really neat, but it's going to be so much, it's going to be so neat, some of the stuff that they're going to have, in order to enable them to better reach more people. And so one thing that we want to see is every Sunday to have 100, 100 middle school students and 50 high school students here every week coming together. be a year of 100. We want to see in this campus us reaching 100 more people than we've ever reached before. Whenever we go to the, the West Campus, the Westwood Campus, we want to see 100 people that are meeting there regularly this year for worship. Right now, they're having about 70 people to 80 people come over there every week, and we want to see it grow to 100 adults that will be over there every Sunday. Now, I know that anytime you begin to talk about, you know, you can talk about numbers or stuff like that, it doesn't sound very attractive in the church, but we are looking at numbers as they represent people. And we want people to be touched by the message of Jesus. The next couple of weeks, we're going to be having our V Groups Fair. And we want to see new groups that are formed, 10 new groups that are going to be formed. Where we are gathering together, looking at God's Word, supporting each other. And saying, how does God's Word apply to our lives? How can, how can God work in my life? Not just on Sundays. Now, how does He work and mean something in my life when it comes to the work week? Now, for us to see these things happen, it's going to require devotion on our part. It's going to require us to stretch and to trust that God can work in us. Because we're not at the finish line yet. If we're going to see God do something great, we've got to stretch and realize that God is bigger than we are and say, God, you're going to do things that, that are even bigger than we are. So well, what's our goal for this year? One of our goals is we're going to have a goal. Our goal, first goal is, uh, is for devotion. The second goal for 2015 that we're going to have is it's for us to have a commitment to the future. For us to have a commitment to the future. Now, I want to read to you verses 13 and 14. Paul said, brothers, this guy's been a believer for, for 30 years, written most of the New Testament. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Key phrase here is where Paul says this. He says, I'm forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Again, this is this is sports imagery here. So I run in a race. Now, if you've ever run before, if you were ever in a, if you're on track team, cross country, whatever, you know, you've, you, I'm sure you've heard your coach tell you at some point, say, when you run, don't look behind you. Now, now, why don't you want to look over your shoulders when you're running? It, it breaks your stride and causes you to slow down, right? And it's like when you're driving and you drop something in the floorboard and try to pick it up. What, what do you naturally do whenever you do that? You take your foot off the accelerator, and then you run over eight people, right? Because you don't know where you are. Okay, that's why Paul says, he says, don't, don't look behind. He says, you look ahead. Don't look behind you. You look ahead. He said, I forget 
what is in my past. He says, I focus on the future. Now, that word forget is an interesting word. It means to no longer be influenced or affected by. It's not that you completely, you know, have amnesia all of a sudden and say, I do not remember anything that I've ever done in my past. It's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I'm just not going to allow my past to dictate my future. And there's a reason why Paul is saying this. You remember Paul's past before he became a believer? Paul was not an upstanding guy as far as Christians go. He hated Christians. He killed them. He was, he was present at the murder of the very first Christian martyr, a guy named Stephen. Paul was endorsing, he's cheering him on. Paul was a guy that hunted down, it says he hunted down like animals, people who followed Jesus, because he wanted to get rid of them. Now, can you understand why Paul said, I'm forgetting what is behind me? What would have happened had Paul been, been running the race of life and his entire focus is what he's done in the past? He said, man, nobody's going to pay attention to me. Why would anybody listen to what I have to say about Jesus when I used to kill them? And talk about being a hypocrite. If Paul would have dwelt on his past and allowed it to affect him, he would have never moved forward. And there's some of you who might feel the same way. You look at your life and you look at your past, you say, man, there's no way God could use somebody like me. Because when I look at my past, I've been a jerk. I have hurt people. I've been selfish. There is no way God could ever use somebody like me. So Paul says, I'm forgetting what is behind because I have a future. Now, we can also look at the past, and it can be a positive past. And you can look at the past and be proud of it and become so enamored with your past that you forget that there is a future. You know, we could do this as a church. You know, as a church, in our thir- almost 13 years together as a church, you know, there's some neat stuff that's happened here and in the lives of people. I mean, when we first started, it was five people, and we came out. Now the church is seven to 800 people come here every week. Uh, we used to meet in Bible study in our home, and now we meet on three different occasions on Sunday mornings. We have Bible studies all, all throughout the place every week. We've seen hundreds of people come into a walk with Jesus. It'd be very easy for us to focus on our past and say, we have done enough. Now, there's nothing wrong with remembering your past, but you don't want it to be your focus because there's a future ahead. That's why Paul said in verse number 14, I'm reaching forward to what is ahead. Now, the importance of a goal is it gives, gives us something to look forward to and to run after. But if you don't have a goal, you just sort of meander around and you never finish the race. Now, I saw a story about in Florida, they have greyhound racing. Uh, some of you may know this. And in the greyhound racing, the way they get the dogs to run around the track is they have a, me- you have a mechanical rabbit. And the mechanical rabbit's on like this track and it, it goes around the dog. And they just have it just in front of the lead dog. And that do- the dogs will chase that rabbit. Now, in one race that was mentioned, as the rabbit was going around the track, I, this has been so fun to be there. As the rabbit was going around the track, it caught fire and exploded and stopped. Isn't that great? Now, you know what the dogs did when that happened? The dogs, some of the dogs began to, they, they just laid down. One dog ran, and it says it ran into a wall. And then the other dogs just simply stood there looking at the burning rabbit. Not one dog finished the race. You know why? Because they no longer had anything to chase after. Village Church, let me tell you something. We still have something to chase after. 
Jesus said in Luke 10 too, he told them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. We have people all around us who are desperate for good news. We have people all around us who are living in brokenness, whose marriages are struggling, who have children who have made bad choices, and they are looking for any kind of hope. And guys, we got the news. We, we, we have the hope of Jesus before us. And what's needed is people like you and me, our church, to look forward to people and tell people, listen, it's not your past that matters. You have a future. And our vision and our goal is that we will be a church that will reach more and more into our community. Not just being here, but being involved in people's lives outside of this church to tell them, you have a future Jesus. So what are our goals this year? Well, a commitment to devotion, commitment to the future. Now, here's the last one I want us to look at today. It's a commitment to being disciplined. Commitment to discipline. Now, I want you to look at our last two verses. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 15 and 16. It says, therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal, will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Yeah, you know, it doesn't take long for me to get distracted. Um, we were at Thanksgiving. We were with Emily's parents. We were driving up to see her uncle. And as I was driving, I saw some deer in a field, and I got excited. And so I began to point, hey, look over there. And the car was drifting into oncoming traffic. So it's easy for me to lose sight, to lose focus of what I'm doing. I think that's true for a lot of us. And that's why Paul said in verse number 16, he said, we should live up to whatever truth we've attained. And so what does that have to do with staying focused? That is, again, that, and this is why I think Paul's pretty cool. He's using a sports analogy there again. When he talks about we should live up to whatever we have attained, what, what that means, what it's referring to, it's re- referring to a runner that's running a race, and he's got to stay in his lane. And yet, if, if you get outside of your lane in a race, then you can be disqualified. So Paul is telling them, he said, you live up to the truth, and that you stay in your lane that you have attained. Because if you don't, then you can be disqualified. But not, not only that, you have to, if you're going to, so if you're going to run the race, you, you stay in the lane that God has for you. You look to him, look to the future. But not only that, you have to be prepared to run the race, right? If you're going to be in a race, church, if we're going to be, if we're going to be in a race, we're going to run. And we're going to look to the future, we've got to be prepared to run. You know, have you all seen those stickers on the back of cars that say 26.2? Y'all seen those? Do you hate people that have those? I don't. I think they're cool. I think I'd love to have one of those twenty-six point. I, I, it would be really. I'd like it because it was, I'm an. You know, I'd be an elite athlete. Twenty-six point two. It's in the back of my car. Now that sounds neat, but let me tell you something. It ain't ever gonna happen. You know why? Because I just like to talk about it. There's no way that I'm gonna get up and start training for stuff like that. Now I'm not gonna get up and do that because I don't want to make the sacrifice in order to achieve something like that. But guys, if we are going to get the prize in running this race that, of life that God has given you, let me tell you something, it's going to require discipline. You're going to run a race, you've got to be prepared to run it. You know, it's, it's what, for our church, it's one thing to say, 
we're going to reach people. We're going to see 100 people this year come into a relationship with Jesus. It's one thing to say that, but it's a totally different thing to actually do it. But if we're going to do it, then we have to be disciplined. And one way we discipline ourselves is we get to, get to know the voice of God so that he can lead and guide us. Now, how do we get to know the voice of God? It's stuff that you hear all the time. If you've grown up in the church, you, hear, you get to know the voice of God by hearing what he has to say in the, in the book, in Scripture. Now, if, if my, I, I would guess most of you have smartphones in here. Um, some of you might have jitterbugs. If you do, don't tell anybody. But if you have, if you have a smartphone, get a Bible on your phone. And if there's Bible reading plans on your phone, and then stick to it. Read it, not, not just so you can check stuff off. But guys, if you don't know what God says, look at what he says. That's why we encourage people to be a part of our V group ministry where we gather together and, and we look at Scripture together. So what, what does this mean? How does, how does this Scripture stuff apply to our daily living? You see, if, if we are going to stay on track and we're going to reach people, then we need to know what God has to say. And I think a problem with many of us is we don't know what God's voice sounds like. And we think that God's voice sounds like, you know, it sounds like my feelings. If I feel this, then it's got to be from God. You know, if it feels, if it's something that feels good to me, then surely God wants me to feel good. Because that's, that's not where it's at. If you want to know what God is saying, then you look to see what he says. You surround yourself with godly people so that we can discuss together what God says, what path God wants us to be on. Uh, there was an interesting YouTube video about a guy named Charlie Frank. He raised an elephant named Nita uh, for the circus. and raised her from birth. He taught her all these tricks. When he retired, he ended up giving the elephant away to the San Diego Zoo. Now, if you watch the YouTube video, there's a news, a news team followed him. He hadn't seen Nita in over 15 years. When he got to the zoo, she was 100 yards away, and he began to call to her. She immediately ran over to him. As she ran over to him, she's standing there in front of him, and he begins to give commands that she'd not heard in 15 years. And she begins to stand up on her hind legs, and she's pirouetting, doing all this different stuff. Now, why did she do that? It's because she recognized the voice of her master. And when she heard his voice, she remembered his commands, and she performed for him. You know, sirs, my, my desire for me and for you is that we will know the voice of the master. So that when we hear his voice, we will live as he has called us to live. And if we simply do that, let me tell you something, this community, your family, your neighbors, they will be changed because they'll see God in you. And I really believe this is going to be the greatest year that we've ever seen. But guys, if it's going to happen, some goals we have to have. We have to have a commitment to devotion. We have to have a commitment to the future and a commitment to discipline. Now, this isn't the whole time I'm going to, I know that y'all are going to, if you're like me, you're going to forget this by Tuesday. So I'm just going to keep reminding us throughout the year. Okay? But those are the things. If, if we're going to see God move, it requires commitment. If we're going to see this be a year of 100, I, I want to encourage you to join with me in praying that God will change the lives of 100 people this year. And not just, you know, praying occasionally. Y'all talking about consistent prayer. And it's going to require you and me being involved in this. And that's why what I'd like for you to do, if you, ha if you have your phone, if you have a pen, you know, on your phone you have that little note, that little note section on your phone that I use occasionally. You know, open up your phone and you can let a little note section. Others, you might have a pen. You can write it on your bulletin. Here's what I want you to do. One person that you know 
who doesn't know Jesus. One person you know, you say, he needs to know God or she needs to know God. I want you to write their name down. You write on your phone or put, put, write it down on your, on your bulletin. And then I want you to keep that piece of paper. And not just for today, y'all, for the rest of the year. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray over that name every week. And pray that God will use you to minister to that person. That God will use you to serve that person. That God would open up their heart to be sensitive to the things of God. That God would use you to invite that person to come into ministry, to come into the church, to hear the message of Jesus. That God would save, bring that person into a relationship with Him this year. Let's pray for that. Now, can you imagine if we all really do that? Over 700 people praying for one person apiece. You know, hundreds of people could be changed this year because of you. My question is, are you, you going to run the race? Are you going to look forward and trust that God knows what he's talking about? Let's trust him this year. And let's see what he does. Because it could be the greatest year we've ever seen as we run to the finish line.